here's where you have to know how to drop your golf ball. Sure speeds up play when you have those drop areas. Fowler has dropped the ball twice. The Shambo is going to get a free drop. Something bad has happened if we end up here. This is the drop zone. Hello, folks. Drop Zone listeners. Happy springtime. It's March 20th. Maybe March 21st, if you're just getting to this on Monday morning. Maybe the 22nd. Maybe, Who look, knows? Look, maybe maybe it's April, and you're just diving <laughs> back into the Drop Zone archives. Either way, we're delighted to have you. My name is Dylan DeChair here with Sean Zock, and uh, the Valspar Championship is still just wrapping up, Sean. But look, due to a variety of circumstances outside of our control, and including the NCAA tournament scheduling of the Wisconsin Badgers, men's basketball team (laughs) we are doing some early recording uh we are going to have a a pretty fun breakdown of 10 golfers who are desperately hoping for a comeback this uh this 2022 golfing year uh we're going to talk a little news and we are going to say that sam burns congratulations on winning your second consecutive valspar championship sean how are you doing that (laughs) hopefully sam burns gets it done for the sake of your accuracy. If he doesn't, you can't hold it against us. That's how this works in the podcast world. I'm doing pretty well, Dylan, mainly because I'm wearing Radmore. <laughs> Me too. Radmore is the presenting sponsor of the Drop Zone. We've told you a bunch the past few weeks about how much we love the gear at Radmore. Um, we've even spent some time on Zoom calls with the Radmore folks, and they are Extremely excited right now about their spring line. The spring line just launched. I'm wearing an item from the spring line. I think you are too. I'm fully decked right out now. in spring line. I've got to, oh, I got to find the official name for it, but some sort of mint green hoodie right now. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a good time. We've been wearing a lot of it the last few weeks. It's all great stuff. But what I'm excited about is that you can have it now. It is launched. It is at radmoregolf.com. And because you are a friend of Sean and Dylan, and because you're a friend of the Drop Zone, you can find the Spring Collection for even cheaper than the other podcast audiences out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to go to RadmoreGolf.com. You use the code Drop Zone D R O P Z O N E. You get 25% off. And I even did a little research, Dylan. There's some items that are on sale at Radmore Golf, Sheesh. and you can go like you can get thirty percent off for an on sale item, and then an extra twenty five percent off because of our code. So all kinds of good gear and savings to be had at RadmoreGolf.com. We talked to the folks at Radmore, Sean. They're they're worried. They're saying the drops and customers are pouring in. <laughs> Hoodies are flying off the shelves. Uh, so I would say act now while you can, while it's still available. Also act now. On buying a speaker, a Rockform speaker, Dylan, we have been discussing the Rockform G-Rock speaker for a few weeks as well. Now they are our second sponsor. My question was, how does it handle in the real world? I've seen how it handles like in my bathroom, Mm -hmm. in my kitchen. You said you've got it tied up next to your desk. Well, I actually brought my G-Rock speaker up to Milwaukee with me this weekend this was unintentional, but I did drop it as I was exiting <laughs> my friend's SUV, dropped it on the pavement, not a scratch on it because these speakers are rugged. They are, they're small in form, but they are sturdy, rugged, and strong, and it's only $100, $100 for a high-end speaker, but even cheaper. It Again, gets even better. Holy cow. <laughs> 
The code is DZ20, DZ20. As you type it in on your keyboard, you get 20% off. And I also did a little research. In most cases, you're going to get free shipping in a matter of like three to five days time via the U.S. Postal Service. So good speaker, not only $100, but down to $80 with free shipping. They're waiting for you at rockform.com, R-O-K-F-O-R-M.com. Support the drop zone, support these brands. Onward. Sean, it's funny. When we think about the beginning of springtime and golf, kind of think Augusta National, uh, you know, flowers blooming, bright green grass, peak golf season. The reality where you and I are is maybe you're getting out for your first round and it's muddy and it's wet and it's cold and maybe you're not even getting out for your first round because there's still ice on the golf courses. Um, what's your status? When are you going to play your first, like your first Northern round of golf in 2022? Maybe tomorrow. It's supposed to be a high of 67 on Monday in Chicago. And then it starts to get crappy again. Highs in the low forties towards the end of the week. Um, the first round of the year might come in Augusta in a couple weeks. Wow. Not, not on the national itself, but maybe, maybe, well, maybe I'll win the lottery. Maybe I'll get a chance to play. Fair enough. Um, what ha- what's what's piquing your interest in the golf world this week? Live golf is coming, Dylan. Live golf. Live golf investments. Live golf invitational series. Greg Norman and his upstart golf league, backed by the Saudi Arabian government. You told us this uh, wasn't has, dead. You you did say two weeks ago when you know the body was being brought to the hospital, evaluated by the physician on call. You said, look, there's still life in this thing. What's going on now? Yeah. Well, they announced a series of eight events. They have a not announced any players, as I'm sure we'll get into, but eight events. They are 54 holes apiece, 48-man events. They are. They have team like interactions throughout these events, players being drafted on a certain teams. It starts... In the middle of June, in London, uh, in England, the week before the U.S. Open, which is actually you know not that far away from now, three months from now, um, these eight events are going to go to Portland next, going out to your area, back across the East Coast to Jersey, further up the East Coast to Boston, where I live in September. It's going to visit Chicago, um, then to China, then to Saudi Arabia again. Um, Wait, no, not to China. <laughs> Bangkok is not in China. <laughs> Little geography lesson here on the drop zone. <laughs> Anyways, they'll go over to Asia and then the team championship. We don't know where the team championship is going to be, but that's going to be in October. Basically, Live Golf is going to compete in some ways, present a verifiable like competition to the PGA Tour. What we have is something that's concrete, Dylan. We've been asking for news. We've been asking for events, for courses that these events we played at. We've been asking for names and some sort of plan. This is some sort of plan. There are hard dates. It's on the calendar. Yeah. Were you surprised by any of it? Um, I'm surprised. Maybe not surprised, but I, I guess I'm struck by the fact that now PGA Tour pros have a concrete thing that they're going to have to say no to. 
Um, and more, more than the concrete schedule, it's the money involved, the purses. I mean, there's a lot of cash at stake. (laughs) It's, it's essentially what it comes down to is, you know, that players championship purse that everyone was raving over. Yeah. Add a Mm. few million bucks to that and then just play for it every week without a cut with fewer (laughs) people involved. I mean, from that, from that perspective, it's going to be hard for guys to say no, even guys that have pledged their allegiance to the PGA Tour. Once you're talking about tournaments in the U.S., uh, et cetera, et cetera, it's just it's going to get weird. It things are yep. just starting to get weird. Um, I mean, I don't know when are when are we going to get names for this thing, Sean? When is this actually going to happen? I mean, I think you're going to get names late i think that this is the kind of thing where as we've discussed every player that is involved in it is going like they have their own agent they have their own teams they have their own um their own events that they want to defend at on the pga tour so like their own schedules kind of throw this whole thing to be quite wonky and frankly the first event is in london in europe between the pga championship and the u.s open right before the u.s open actually during a time when a lot of people are trying to sectionally qualify for the u.s open interesting what does that mean i i mean i just think that that means we're going to see a lot of european and asian players in this first event Mm -hmm. i don't think it will be the strongest field that live golf puts forward it's it's a taste test it is it is a case study for what they can do and what their events look like. Um, But the thing that we know to be absolutely sure, regardless of the names is that there's going to be $25 million handed away that week. Yes. $25 million will go to someone that week. And there will be a bunch of people who missed the cut at the Canadian open and earn $0 and actually spend a lot of money that week. And they're going to look across the Atlantic and be like, Oh crap, a player worse than me just took home six million dollars <laughs> to this week like yeah, that's yeah. that's going to happen and um how the pga tour reacts to whoever takes home that six million dollars or the eight million dollars or whatever how the pga tour reacts to that will define how live golf investments reacts it is this gigantic game of poker of raising re-raising bluffing calling bluffs this is just the the next step uh which is great yeah it is it is uh, it is both great, you know, in some, some cases and also not great in others because it's chaotic. <laughs> like you're going to have to probably cover this event in Portland. <laughs> I don't know what your schedule is like for the 4th of July, but right I around mean, that time you might have to be covering it for golf.com that's a curious and then turning thing, around yeah. and, and covering the Scottish open a couple weeks later. Like it, it's, it's going to be a weird thing for all of us to get used to. We don't have, um, a broadcast figured out yes will it will it be broadcast we we literally don't quite know if it will be broadcast uh because that is a gigantic wrinkle and greg norman even admitted like we're not we're not really sure (laughs) what's going to happen with the broadcast at this point what would be what would be the funniest possible broadcast situation for this i mean um like jake paul hosting a youtube live or something yeah yeah it's gonna be paul someone just lives like someone on periscope uh, yeah, I mean, the the thing about it to me is just the relentlessness of it. Um, I think the reason it's you know not just going to go away when Rory says, "Look, this is this thing is dead," is because they had already 
poured so much money into this. They'd hired these big time TV executives, uh, pros pot from other committed. sports leagues. They were pot committed. They were, uh, I mean, it's almost like throwing bad money after good, but there, there's no, there's no good or bad money here. There's just infinite money. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. you could argue it's all bad money, but, um, but the fact that they are just going to continue to essentially be there, while, like you say, tour pros struggle to make cuts, and all the while it's just going to be over there, you know, kind of taunting them. Look how much more yeah. money you could be making if you just jump ship and join the join the big money boys here. Uh, yeah, it's weird. I am not confident that it's good for professional golf in any way um it's been interesting watching i think it is you do i think it is good and like what's tricky about this is anytime uh you say that on a podcast (laughs) you'd like to have people continue to listen and and realize that you're gonna you're gonna split this thing up like it is not good 100 percent of the time Mm -hmm. it's not good across the board i think it is good because i think um I think someone like Phil Mickelson or Rory or Spieth, I think they do deserve a bigger cut. Like I, I kind of wholeheartedly believe that. And yeah. in, in the in the past, I have, I've kind of like tried explaining it through the same sense of like other sports, where like Devonte Adams wanted a ton of money, and Aaron Rodgers took a lot of the money. Yeah, and there wasn't as much to go around. And and if there was, then someone else on the Packers wasn't going to get the money. And so. Who deserves to have the most money? The best players. Who brings people to tour events? Yeah. Who makes Dylan turn on the golf channel early on Sunday morning to watch the golf? The best players. Am I wrong about that? I mean, no, you're you're generally correct about that. Yeah. So that that is the clause of this whole thing, the corner of it that I I think I believe what uh I believe the most. Um, as I think I've repeated like ad nauseum it your vehicle through how you get the most money for the best players has to be a a a a good one and it this isn't necessarily the best one would i be much more in favor of something like the premier golf league a completely different uh scenario yeah probably but they're not shouting and and (laughs) raising their fist and holding press conferences right now so um probably more to come on that front. But yeah, I I think at some point this is going to deliver us some net benefit to the pro golf world at large. Um, But it will definitely come with some negatives too. Yeah. I mean, I think the the biggest negatives are just like the, it's not real. I mean, none of it's not a real business model. There is no, uh, there's no way that they're going to get the return on investment financially that they to the (laughs) money that they're pouring into this like there's no way that the pga tour can compete financially because the pga tour does not have an unlimited investment fund Mm. dedicated to this purpose um so it's sort of a the entire exercise just breaks all the barriers of what we think we know about you know the fact that sports should be run like businesses to some extent um yeah then there's the objectionable and amoral uh money behind it which is i I mean it just continues to be a thorny thing to figure out how to talk about because 
it's so easy for people to say, yeah, well, this is this other thing that you don't regularly object to is also bad. And yeah, there is Saudi money in other sports. There's Saudi money in Formula One and Premier League soccer and, you know, to some extent already in the golf world. And what about the ladies European tour and uh, all these other things? And I don't have a perfect rebuttal to that, except one to say uh, just because you say one thing is bad doesn't mean that you also at the same time have to identify every other bad thing. And also there can just be a more general feeling of like, this is going to break the current sport as, as we know it. And that yeah, is, and will be left over. <laughs> and that is kind of scary and risky and confusing. Yeah. Are you a chaos agent or are you a little afraid? I don't um, know. Might be. See, I would have expected <laughs> to be a chaos agent, but now that we're here, I am finding a lot of reasons to say, I don't know about this, man. What I found to be most interesting about what Greg Norman said this week on you know, the Subpar podcast, what he said in his press conference, uh, what he said to various specific journalists mm-hmm. down in Florida, um, is how inspired he was by the Ryder Cup. Uh, he and one of his other execs were together at the Ryder Cup and were just so inspired by the energy of the team golf vibes that were on yeah. hand at Whistling Straits. And they are directly pointing to that as some type of thing that they want to replicate. Yeah. And I'm just wondering, like, is that even possible? <laughs> can you even no, think I mean, to it, replicate? Like, you no. can't, I don't think that you can. It's the opposite. So, the Ryder Cup, they don't get paid. It's literally the yeah. it's literally the antithesis of yeah. what makes uh, this important versus that important. This is, you know, guys trying to get theirs. The Ryder Cup is guys putting their selfish nature as professional golfers aside for a week and yep. banding together for a, a really like a fun exhibition. But the entire point of it is that it's scarce. I, I mean, look, team competitions are awesome in theory and if they can pull off a team competition that will definitely be a step forward in terms of the way we look at golf and franchises in professional golf but there's certainly no guarantee of it i mean people are not lining up Mm -hmm. to watch the qbe shootout uh no one even shows up to the (laughs) zurich classic like there have been no one even plays in the world cup of golf like there there have been things attempted and I hope we continue to try new team golf things because I'm in favor yep. of those. But I mean, there's, there's just no guarantee that anyone is going to watch these things off the top. Yeah. And I'm yep. curious what that's going to look like. There is going to be a lot of, I, I assume there's going to be a ton of money put into the promotion of this league. It's just going to be really interesting to see what that promotion looks like. If it's all over the place, not everyone has the time to parse through whether uh, the funding behind a golf league is, you know, morally sound. Um, and so eventually, if people want to watch, they're probably going to watch regardless of that. I, I, I just don't think that there's a built-in guaranteed interest for this thing, Sean. So I remain yeah. somewhat skeptical, but I also recognize that the gravity of players eventually getting attracted to insanely large purses it is maybe there's an inevitability to that yeah if there's one lock in the world of golf it is that these dudes want their <laughs> money 
They yeah. love their money and money talks with a megaphone uh, much more than Jay Monahan talks with a microphone. Let's move on, Dylan. Um, but first, this podcast has a third sponsor. Dylan. Sheesh. Third sponsor of the Drop Zone. It is Global Golf. Dylan, Global Golf has one letter in mind right now, and that letter is you. Global Golf's various services are you try, you trade in, and you select. And they are all about getting people into the right golf clubs that fit them. You try. It's pretty simple. It's about you trying brand new gear for two weeks. It's a two-week demo. If you love the gear, you keep the gear. If you don't love it, you send it back. You trade in allows you to trade in your previously owned gear for credit towards the newest and best stuff that you want. We like that. And finally, you select is all about personalized recommendations from golf professionals to help you select the best gear for your game. So that's you try, you trade in, you select. It is all about you, the golfer at Global Golf. Check it out at globalgolf.com. Sean, I'm glad that you introduced the folks at Global Golf because what are we talking about? But a bunch of Global Golf stars that have been a little bit... <laughs> Uh, I don't know if under the weather is quite the right phrase for it, but underwhelming, maybe. I want to talk about 10 golfers who are in need of a comeback this year and who are, I guess, realistically could be in the conversation of like, here's a guy who was great, who has now not been great, but we think that he still has the potential to be great. So I've got 10 okay. guys whose peaks included. Uh, stints inside the world golf rankings top 10 who are now not in that top 10 and i want you to tell me after a short description whether you are buying or selling their stock going forward does that sound good sounds great all right let's start across the pond with mr danny willett british golfer peak world ranking was number nine uh he is now ranked number 149 if you had to guess how old Danny Willett is, Sean, what would you say? He's he's young. He's like 32. Yeah, 34. But still, okay. <laughs> I mean, his, his career peak was winning the Masters, obviously. In 2016, he was on the Ryder Cup team that year. Uh, and we just haven't heard that much from him in the last few years. He's sneakily playing a bunch of PGA Tour events these days. Uh, this year, he's played in seven, zero top 20s. But he's been playing okay on the European Tour, now the DP World Tour. Uh, he's won three DP World Tour events since that Masters win. He won the Dunhill Links in September, showing some mm -hmm. signs of life, but not consistent signs of life. That's Are you a buying big event. or selling? That's a. I'm selling. I, first off, I'm going to say that that <laughs> is a big event. Like the Dunhill is played on some tough golf courses: Carnoustie, Kings Barnes, and the Old Course. Um, mm -hmm. So. You, you got to golf your ball in October, generally. I think it was September this past year in some conditions to win over there. Yeah. Um, but Dylan, how many majors does he have? Uh, well, he's got at least that one, Sean. <laughs> he's got one major championship. He also has just one PGA Tour victory. This guy is just kind of claiming events in Europe every once in a while, which means that he is good and he's going to remain relevant-ish, but I don't see him rising again into the top 20 because he doesn't he doesn't contend on the PGA Tour. He just he just doesn't. It, it's kind of, it's a little spellbounding for me because he once was a world beater, but 
Yeah. That, that tw- like 2016 is six years ago and it might feel like 10 or more, frankly, with this guy. <laughs> I mean, the biggest issue to me is that, you know, the last three years, he has not demonstrated an ability to hit the ball close to the hole from the fairway with an iron in his hand, Sean, which is basically the biggest predictor of success. He's been 149th or worse the last three years in terms of strokes gained approach on the PGA Tour. So I would love to see Danny Willett back in the mix, but he is not yet showing signs of doing so. Next up, similar profile. Well, the pretty similar. The very rich man's Danny Willett is Mr. Martin (laughs) Keimer. 37 years old, and I would say still a youthful 37, Sean. The only thing confusing about him being 37 is seeing him wear that assistant captain garb yeah. at the Ryder Cup, which I don't like that. I I don't want to see that from someone. Dylan doesn't like 30s. when anybody when anybody looks a little bit older or does anything that older people might do or might be perceived as older don't than they are. Ever change, Martin. <laughs> you should be playing. You should be on that Ryder Cup team. No, I think that, I mean, Luke Curdenine has talked about this, our resident uh, European Ryder Cup fan, how this generation has abandoned the Euros. I mean, Martin Keimer should be a Ryder Cup star right now. He's 37. He should be, you know, in in his late prime. This dude peaked at world number one. Uh, His career peak, I think, was the 2014 US Open, which he won by eight. He had already won that year's Players' Championship. Uh, He was had the winning putt from the 2012 Ryder Cup in his back pocket. This was his second major. He's now number 152 in the world, Sean. He's strung together a few good results in the DP World Tour, but he's not really playing much on the PGA Tour. Um, Is there life yet for Martin Keimer? Are you buying or selling off his 152 in the world stock? I'm selling. 37, 37. As much as you like to, you know, think he's youthful still. Thirty-seven is the point at which there is, uh, like, I think aging can come uh, a lot quicker. Like your mm. your uh, your abilities between thirty-seven and forty, they, they just they seem to maybe deteriorate quicker than thirty-four to thirty-seven. Like, just time moves. It seems like a little bit quicker, maybe. Um, and for Keimer, when was the last time he won a tour event? Any event. A European tour event. It's been a decade. Oh almost. God. Almost a full decade. He he had a wicked stretch in 2014. How long ago does that feel? Like it was a really I mean, long it, time. It is very literally is, you know, seven and a half years. Yeah. Three quarters so, of a decade. So you're not crazy far off. I don't want to be selling off all these options that you're No, look, we got ten of them. Me, you're selling a yeah. couple. That's okay. Yeah. He's I think I'd be more inclined for to, a reason. I think I'd That's be more inclined to buy up some Martin Keimer stock than you are, but he's got to find the planet off the tee. I think that that's going to be the key to him. Um, the third guy, Sean, who's actually even lower in the world rankings. These are in fairly arbitrary order. This gentleman is 39 years old. He peaked at number five in the world, and his career peak was standing on the. 12th tee in the 2019 masters he was on top of the world mm. he'd won the open championship he'd uh been all-time great in the Ryder cup he'd won the arnold palmer invitational the quicken loans he'd finished top six in basically every event he'd seen 
And then Francesco Molinari found the water, finished T5 at the Masters, and was never heard from again. Um, he finished, like, what, T11 at the Open later in 2019. 2020, he barely played. 2021, he had a, a couple top 20s. Uh, he played okay at the Genesis, finished T8. Uh, he's finished in the top 10 at the American Express the last two years, Sean. I'm not sure how how close to the fifth major you consider you know, or trip to Palm Springs every year. But are you buying or selling Francesco Molinari stock? Buying because oh, Carnoustie was not that long ago. Yeah. Uh, a lot has happened since then. A ton has happened for this guy since then, but he's bottomed out. I, I really think like the last, let's call it the last four months of his golf, last five months of his golf, they don't show like an ascendant trend. But they show sustained, like just stability. They just mm-hmm. they show him settling his ship in the waters. A lot of made cuts, even though he's finishing in the 30s and you know t45, t50. He has not whatever. missed a cut in 2022 yet. Yeah, he he's settling things down. Which who knows if he'll ever actually like contend for a major again. But this guy was he was pretty nasty like only a couple years ago. So yeah, I think, I think he's settled things down. Like his, his new peak might be like 50th in the world or something, but that would be pretty darn impressive to see a guy bottom out as hard as he did and then come back to be top 50 in the world. I would buy some stock on him. 39 feels old though. I didn't think he was that old. He's been around for sneaky a while. If you think about like back to the days of he and his brother, um, as teammates, I mean, Francesco Molinari was, he was a nobody for a long time and then he became a big time somebody. So maybe his peak was really the outlier rather than, you know, maybe his current run of form is, it just checks out a little bit more. I mean, right now he's a good, he's a very good putter and chipper of the golf ball and he's not hitting it that well. Tita Green, he's not that good. So it's also anyway. just a weird, like, I'm going to give him a little bit of credit where like the last couple of years have been. We weird for everyone, but particularly yeah. weird for him where like you lose your form and then suddenly you lose your ability to travel the world and see your family. Yeah. And he moved to California. Yeah. I think he moved um, within California too. I, think, I mean, <laughs> yeah. So uh, the stability is coming back. For Francesco, Francesco, come on the drop zone and discuss. I'm sure he's listening. Uh, look, we're buying your stock. I think we'll get him on. All right, Sean. Gary Woodland. 37 years old, number you know 94 in the world ranking. Uh, oh, I, I actually lied with that. Everyone has been in the top 10 in the world. His peak was number 12 in the world, I believe, after winning the 2019 U.S. Opening. So he probably doesn't have the same peak as some of the other guys on this list. Uh, he spread his wins out over a few years, but he's also had three top 10s this year, this PGA yeah, Tour you know, season. You know my answer on this. You buying from his oh spot at number 94 in the world? I literally already bought a ton of Gary Woodland stock in yeah. our drop zone segment of PGA Tour Stock Exchange. He's 94th in the world right now. He's polishing up a pretty solid week at the Valspar this week. He's got multiple top fives, like you said, in the last month. And, uh, I just think that like his game got a little bit off. He wasn't visiting um, Butch Harmon. He Harman, was hurt. But, yeah, yeah, the guy was also nursing an injury, and I think he's on the comeback. And I would be, I would not be surprised if he 
won once already the rest of the year. And also wouldn't be surprised if he like climbed up to like top top 30, top 40 by the end of the year. That's a long way to climb, but one one win in a good event will get you up there. He's a major champion and he's going to play in a bunch of majors moving forward. Like he's going to have uh he has he has a lot of job stability at this moment and yeah. he's he is just a great great player. So I I almost like don't even want him on this list because frankly I feel more confident in him than all the other people. I mean, and maybe he shouldn't be, honestly. Like, maybe his peak wasn't high enough and his valley wasn't low enough, but he certainly fell off the off the cliff the last couple of years. Uh, but the reason we're having this discussion right now is because we are at the, at the brink of the, the legacy season. I mean, we just had the Players' Championship, which is a career-changing event, but we're about to have, you know, one, one per month for the next few months. We're going to have the majors. We're going to have some uh, big invitationals. So, um how these guys do, like when you say it's been a weird stretch for Francesco, this is when we're going to see, you know, how it's going to be under the bright lights in the big time. Justin Rose is our next man in the spotlight. World number 51, 41 years old. So our first uh, guy outside of his 30s. His career peak, I guess, came at the U.S. Open in 2013, but maybe it also came in 2019 when he reached world number one. Uh, he was part of that crew of Man. alternating world number ones with DJ and JT at that point. Um, he hasn't fallen off a cliff, but he hasn't done much contending for victories. Uh, mm-hmm. He kind of was in the mix through 36 holes at the Masters the last couple of years, faded on the weekend both times. Those were his big chances for, I guess, a, a career-defining victory later in his career. Uh, what's up with Rosie, Sean? I see him a lot on my TV screen still, but mostly <laughs> during the commercial breaks. Uh, I think Are- he is. I think he's just realizing that your prime is past him. Like he he is beyond his prime at this moment. And I don't know if he's realizing it, but maybe uh, you're realizing it. I think we've all realized it with, with Rosie. <laughs> he he's a he is. I think got he's probably built up a borderline Hall of Fame career at this point. He's right on the probably the edge of a lot of the qualifications that would get you into consideration for the Hall of Fame. A lot of wins, the major championship. Um, and he's just like hovering now, which I think can happen with with people on the PGA Tour that they play a lot of decent golf, but they don't play any great golf. He hasn't contended in at least, at least a year, um, probably like, 15 months or so is the last time he contended. Yeah, he finished second so. at the Saudi International last year. That yeah, may have been exactly. his last brush with so, victory. So I think this is something that can happen when a player, like their best golf is definitely past them. It's just like, you know what? You can play some decent golf. You get all kinds of access. You get to play all the big events. You are a big name. And if you, you know, you just kind of keep your tour card because it's like a generational teeter green player at one point in his life like this guy's been um in front of us playing golf for multiple decades at this point since he was a a young successful amateur so i'm so indifferent about this you know i'm just like Mm. you know what he 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 could come out and like maybe contend in a major if you get him another 20 tries but he also might not and he also might never win again so number 51 in the world buying or selling i'm I'm not, I'm definitely not buying. So, and if I don't have it, I'm not selling. Like, I don't need this stock, is what I'm telling you. Yeah, yeah. You're indifferent. All right. Noted for the record. <laughs> um, 
All right, Sean, let's get to our top five here. These are some blue chip names. These are names that I don't think will inspire indifference in you. Um, let's start at the bottom of the OWGR of this crew. Mr. Ricky Fowler, 33 years young. Career peak was in 2014 when he was finished top five in all four majors, top three and three out of the four. His best world ranking was number four. Now number 127. Sean, is this as good as it's going to get for Ricky at this point? Or is there a way back to the light? I don't think he ever gets back to number four in the world again. Uh, that's a super safe bet. It's a really hard thing to do. <laughs> the it competition is for do. that is really good. But 33 is so young, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I keep I keep saying how like maybe 37 is super old and 33 is super young. Um, I, I think for Ricky, he, he was and has been too good uh, at, at just kind of like the all-around game that like not all of that can leave you. And he might have to move around and bounce around from coach to coach a little bit. Like he's probably played his best golf under Butch Harmon, but then hasn't been with Butch forever and has kind of moved on. Uh, he might not be with the right the right coach right now. He might not have, you know, he might have a brighter future if he changes up other things in his game and his life. I, I'd be willing to, I'd hang my hat you're, on Ricky. You're grasping here, Sean. Yeah, I just. It sounds like you're I, grasping. For I hope. want to believe, and I don't quite know what to believe in, but call me a believer. Ricky Fowler right now, just this year, 58th. 58th in strokes gained off the tee, solid. 92nd in strokes gained approach, again, gaining on the field. 55th strokes gained around the green. And, Sean, 185th in yeah. his trademark putting, strokes that gained be, putting. That can be solved. Losing half a shot to the field. That can I be mean, solved. Well, that's what I'll be. Call me a believer in that. All you right, can, that's what you're. You can. That's what you're a believer in. 126th last season is all I'm saying. So this mm-hmm. is. It's not just a random blip on the radar. It's now looking sneakily like a trend, and it's a little bit worrisome for our boy. Fair, I believe. Buying, you're buying. I believe that Ricky will win. All right, noted. <laughs> Jason Day, also 34 years young. Well, not also, but, you know, also maybe younger than you might think for inclusion on this list. Still inside the world top 100 at number 99. Mm -hmm. And, of course, he peaked at world number one. Uh, His career peak, I would say, was at the 2016 players when, I mean, he was just red hot. He had won about half the tournaments he'd played over the last six or eight months at that point, including the PGA Championship. But uh, the end of that run was the 2016 players, I would say. He tosses in a few top tens each year these days, Sean, in between alternating talking about retiring and talking about a longer stay at world number one than the first time he got there. So it's a little bit hard to know what to make of Jason. Um, He finished T3 at the Farmers. That was encouraging. Are you buying or are you selling? I am a disciple and a believer in the school of Chris Como. Big fan of Chris Como, mm. who is now working with Jason Day. And there's too much talent in this man for him to stay down forever. 
I, I, th- I think there's a better golf swing for him and his body to succeed under, like than the one that that made him into the greatest player, uh, you know, at one point in the world. Um, so yeah, I I'd buy up stock in J Day. I think that he can he can get back to being a top 20 player in the world. And like that, that might not last for a long time, but that doesn't, that doesn't mean it, it can't happen. Like I, I think maybe he could spend a year as a top 20 player in the world, win twice and then thank Chris Como for like reactivating his golf career. And then, you know, like you said, he might want to retire at that point, but he's not that old. He's not, he's not even close to his forties. So no, he's 34. I mean, if, if his body will allow him to keep playing, who knows where he's going to be playing, but like, or at what level. Um, but I, I do have the sense that his good golf still feels like it gets him into contention more often than his results actually show. I mean, I feel like he's playing two or three rounds of pretty good golf and then throwing in like a 76 or 78 that kind of dooms him. I'm yeah, I'm with you. I'll buy a little Jason day stock for sure. Um, Sean, I think one of the people most hurt by the timing of the pandemic was 41-year-old golfer Adam Scott. Currently ranked number 46 in the world, his best world ranking was number one in 2014. Uh, Probably peaked at the 2013 Masters when he won that and got to world number three at the time. Sean, he was coming off a win at the Genesis, and he was inside the top 10 in the world when the players championship happened in 2020 or didn't happen and the world stopped. Um, and he just has not been able to recapture that form in the year since I got bad news. Schedule's been all wonky. What do you got? He's, you said he was the 46th ranked player in the world. Yeah. He's 37th. (laughs) Oh, well, what do you think of that? Uh, I think he's higher than you give him credit for. Um, I think already uh, <laughs> your stock of, is already paying off. of yeah, all you know people. What? He is 37th in the world. I don't know who I was looking at of all people. This is a guy who has like ascended and descended multiple times, but every time that he has ascended, it has been into the top 10. Like he has not just made the one time splash like Danny Willett did. Uh, it's, it's happened multiple times for him. And I don't think he's leaving this game anytime soon. It, it, it doesn't feel like he has decided upon an exit ramp. I think he's going to play the PGA Tour for, well, he, who knows? He might, he might take I mean, up yeah, live he golf invitational. He is soon. one of the guys that has certainly not sworn off the, uh, he has not pledged his fealty to the PGA Tour the way other guys have. Um, but he is, for his generation, probably a top 10 all time or top 10 for his generation ball striker. And as Mm -hmm. you said earlier today, there's nothing better for you than to be an elite ball striker in terms of contending. No better predictor of success. Yeah. Yes. And yeah, holy cow. Is he a horrible putter? (laughs) That's the nicest and most blunt way you can really say it. He's not good with the putter and that lets him down a lot, but there's also a very, that's also like a very random aspect of success especially in owgr like you're gonna end up winning and then putting really poorly for a couple months and then you might contend again because it feels good that week he's got a long history of doing that stuff so yeah adam scott i think has another run in him oh i mean i would correct the record that he's actually been a pretty good putter the last few years um and pretty good i don't think he's a great 
short putter. Yeah, statistically, a good putter. Weirdly. I know it doesn't seem like it. I know sometimes he's in the mix. Doesn't look like it. But this year, 18th in strokes gained putting. Last year, 18th in strokes gained putting. Wow. 2019 to 2020, top 50 still that year in strokes This is your Jim Calhoun moment. Get some facts and come back and see me. Get your facts and come back on the drop zone. Until then, we're going to find a fill-in. We're going to get... can't think of a proper fill-in, so maybe we'll have to keep you around. We'll get Mr. Jimmy Colgan in here just to keep your feet to the fire. Um, Anyway, Adam Scott. Yeah, I mean, look, he is... He's a guy that has talked about at this point uh, contending is not going to change his legacy. It's not going to change the way he thinks about his golf career. He needs major wins. He needs uh, big-time results. He's got a summer where he could put it together for a couple weeks and change this phase of his career, which is the main reason he's on this list. He could also just keep sliding and you know, do the Greg Norman thing and... Eventually, just take an exit ramp into sweet, sweet, you know, ten event a year retirement in Switzerland or whatever he whatever he wants to do. The world is still kind of Adam Scott's oyster, and he showed during the pandemic he's not desperate to play uh, thirty five events a year, and nothing would really surprise me. So I, I would I would buy a little bit of Adam Scott stock, but I'm not, you know, I'm not going all in. Tommy Fleetwood, Sean. Tommy Lad. years old. He is number 47 in the world ranking. He weirdly does not have PGA Tour status. He also does not have a PGA Tour victory. His career best world rank was number nine. And I would say he peaked in the 2018 US Open, I guess, when he shot 63 on the final day. Uh, finished second, ultimately behind Brooks Kepka at Shinnecock. I think that Tommy, you know, is kind of in this zone right now where he should be in his prime and he's been playing okay. He's actually, you know, right on the leaderboard right now uh, yeah. in the Valspar. And everyone has been waiting for a while to see what he's going to do. Uh, today would be a good example. He could have maybe made a run at this tournament, but he shot even par going to finish at the edge of the top 20 um tommy fleetwood are you buying or selling from his current position at number 47 like did his did his peak already come and go and we didn't even realize that that was going to be it hell no i'm almost offended for tommy that he's even in a discussion here because no he lost his pga tour card he has to be in the discussion his his peak is is coming and it might just it might just come this summer uh he when the Scottish Open PGA Tour event, St Andrews, the old course, I could just see a run coming because he has gotten he like his 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 doldrums of of whatever twenty twenty, he got thrown off as much as Adam Scott did with the pandemic. He went home in England where you couldn't golf courses weren't open for a long time into that summer. He had to quarantine for two whole weeks on Long Island uh, as he was coming back to the PGA Tour. I've talked to him about how much he got thrown off about with his game just got thrown off by a, a gigantic unplanned break. And look, look, he is a phenomenal ball striker and 
like at large, like overall player. And I think you and I would expect more like from a guy who's like just thrown off a little bit, but it's tough to stay at the top of the PGA tour. He's been playing really well this year. Uh, top 20 this week, top 20, a couple weeks ago, top 25 at the players championship. He will be a PGA tour card carrying member in, I think just a matter of months, Dylan. And at that point, I hope so. He'll probably be top 40. So then you'll feel mm-hmm. a little, you'll feel bad about bringing him into this discussion. I will not, I will not apologize for including Tommy Fleetwood in this discussion. I will say my man chips the hell out of the golf ball. I mean, some of the best hands you can see, but until he finds his golf swing, until he starts sticking it close, making a whole bunch of birdies, I will continue to be worried about him. Um, but yeah, this could change with like one great week for sure. And I hope it does. But yeah, still worried about my man, Tommy. Uh, I think we just have one left here, Sean. That's right. A, a funky entry. Uh, the highest ranked member of this list, Webb Simpson, number 35 in the world, 36 years old, peaked at number four in the world, maybe peaked in his career at the RBC in 2020. Um, I'm not exactly Yikes. sure. He got to number five in the world at that point. And that, you know, at that point it was like, okay, this dude is Dylan. He won a major championship here. Yeah. I mean, did but you just call his peak at the RBC? <laughs> the peak or the, the major at that point at Olympic felt a little bit like a blip. And then there was an entirely different human being in 2020 who had just racked up top tens, uh, and gotten a number five in the world. And, you know, felt like a more established member of the uh, elite golf scene. Since then, injuries, uh, I don't know, family stuff. He hasn't completely fallen off a cliff. He just hasn't been winning. And he has just slowly drifted down off the point where he would be, you know, a sure thing on the President's Cup team this fall, say, um, or in the Tour Championship or these other measures of elite play my question is look has Webb just had a a nice little career and now we've seen the best of it come and go I'm afraid the answer might be yes this is why we're having this discussion Mm -hmm. there's a lot of maybes in these in these uh questions but I I don't think it is I mean also this guy's peak I think was definitely at the players championship if, if we don't count that major as his peak because he was a buzzsaw at the 2018 Players Championship, and yeah, won, that's, you know that's probably lot. fair. But I, but it kept going after that. I think that was my point. Was like there was a couple years of sustained strong play where he proved doubters like myself completely wrong because he just kept playing well. Yeah. So I think yeah. I think he will get back into the top 15. This is a guy that makes a lot of birdies still. Like he still has game to fill it up on any certain day. Um, and if you just kind of look at his most recent finishes, like one of those wins might come this year. Let's dial it back to just like the last eight months or so. Top 20, top 20, top 20, made cut, top 20, made cut, missed cut, top 20, top 20, top 20, made cut, missed cut. That's really good golf. The difference between that and being a top 10 player is truly just like winning winning and, and contending like a lot more um so he he needs to like get over that weird hump which is like this that's like hundreds of people are trying to do that so 
he's he's a, a, a cut below the best players in the world right now. If he if he plays really good golf for a month, he's going to be back in the top twenty. And so, again, I don't want to. I want to say that he should be offended. He probably feels like he's still playing his best golf. <laughs> this guy battled an injury recently, so like that's part of the reason for a little bit of decline. Um, but when he's hot, he can still fill it up, and that that helps you win these days. Yeah, I mean, I think with him, the only concern is really like his game relies on hitting driver everywhere and finding the fairway everywhere with driver. Um, he hasn't been great at that this season, uh, but he still is pretty good at everything. Like he's a, he's a good golfer. So yeah, I mean, I would expect we're going to see him probably on some leaderboards at some majors this year. Uh, I, I don't think I'm buying Webb Simpson stock though. I think it would be... It might be rash to get involved in a long-term position with Mr. Simpson at this point. I want to hear um, what, what the podcast listeners think of of us being in or out. And if you want to call me flimsy on my support, blind support of Ricky Fowler, please do so. And I, I need to know if, if people should also feel offended for Tommy and Webb that they are even involved here. I think that the overall position that you took there, Sean, was being a little bit bullish on these guys. Like maybe we are seeing these big name, traditionally great golfers in their low point. I think that that's natural to think that they're going to come back. And I'm curious to see if they do. Yeah, not Keimer, not Danny. I'm pretty out on Justin Rose. And uh, mm-hmm. I'm a blind believer. Most other guys. Blind believer like in Ricky on. Fowler. uh maybe as we all should be sean time will tell hopefully we can revisit this we'll come back check in on our list of 10 later on in the year um what else do you have for our listeners this week do you have any other any other burning thoughts you need to get off your chest wisconsin tips shortly Mm, bucky by a million i guess yeah my my well you know what I was going to start to say something about my bracket and then I realized the number of listeners that care is very, very small. Um, Thank you guys for listening this week and we will see you next week. Enjoy the match play. A little March Madness of our own this week on the PGA Tour. Uh, Plus Jin Young Ko back in action on American soil. We'll break it all down next week on the Drop Zone.